This is Easter Sunday. Can you believe it? Jesus that we celebrate, who not only died on a cross, and we're just so glad they didn't stay on that cross, but he went to a grave. And I'm just so glad that he didn't stay in the grave, but he rose three days later from the grave, and he is now alive. And I'm just so impressed by this cross today. Isn't that just such a beautiful thing? You know, it's just amazing to me that we celebrate a symbol that really is all about torture, was really all about crucifying somebody, and we celebrate as something beautiful. And this illustrates it so beautifully to me that the cross has become for us Christians something beautiful, something amazing, something that actually speaks about life. Because it wasn't that he stayed on the cross, that he, he overcame the cross, he overcame the grave, and he now lives and gives us life today. You know, God is doing something amazing in our midst at Oasis Church. I don't know if you'd noticed, but as a, as a pastor at Christy and I have the privilege of hearing story after story after story of God doing incredible things in our midst. And week after week, I hear reports come and get back to me of people getting breakthroughs in their life. It might be a mental hurdle that people have been struggling with that they overcome. It might be a physical healing that they've experienced. It might be a new job that they've just been given or a new career path that God has set them up on. But story after story, you could be forgiven for thinking that there's some kind of renewal going on in this place. That God is alive. That God is working in our midst. And it's so easy to overlook it and think that nothing's going on. But I tell you that God is moving in our midst. And God is moving in your midst. And if, if you can believe it, if you can understand it, that if God can do it for these other people, then He can do it for you too. That God can move in your heart. That He can bring a, around a breakthrough in your life. Can you believe it today? I absolutely can. I know that God is doing... The wonderful thing to me is that we don't have to be amazing. We don't. We just have to be obedient. And we've been obedient as a little church, little Oasis Church that started almost three years ago. We've been obedient. We haven't been flashy. We haven't been amazing. But we've been willing to step out. And God has been going before us. He's going before us time and time and time again. And He's like a good dad should be with their son. You can do it. You can do it. I know you can do it. Get back up again. Keep going. I believe in you. I believe in the destiny. God has such a, a faith for Oasis Church that we don't even have faith for, that we don't even understand the good things that God has in store for us, for you, for Oasis Church. And so He's gone before us and provided, I believe, a miracle in that building that we're moving into in like three, four weeks' time. Isn't that just such an amazing building? I can't believe it. It's on this busy road. It's this great um, visibility to the street. It's right in the middle of the community that we want to reach. God is being good to us. Way above our abilities. Way above what we can afford. Amen. But He's going before us because He believes in something greater before us. He's believing that Oasis can become something amazing. God is on the move. You know, we got carpet tiles arrived like last week, they're sitting in big stacks ready to be laid out. We've got curtains arriving soon. Oh man, I'm just so excited about what is to come for you. What is to come 
for me? What is to come for Oasis Church? What is to come for the community around about us? Those people who are there waiting to hear the good news, waiting to hear. You know, Jesus said, the fields are ripe for harvest. He's saying the harvest is not the problem that's ready to go. It just needs a few workers. It just needs a few people willing to put their hand up and say, yeah, we'll do it. Well, I can tell you that Oasis Church has said yes. We said, yes, Lord, we're ready. And God said, great, I'll use that and I'll do something extraordinary with it. And he's going to do something extraordinary with you and me, ordinary people. And we're going to see in the months and the years ahead, so many stories of God's goodness, so many stories of his restitution, so many stories of his redemption, bringing people back to himself. If only we could understand the heart of the Father for our community. If only we could understand just even a little bit of his love for us, we would be amazed and we would step out in even greater faith. Well, look, today the theme is new life. And I wanted to share a story that really encapsulated it. And for me, I've been thinking about the story of Zacchaeus. The story of Zacchaeus. So I'm going to read it to you first. um, So you can read along on the screens. It comes from Luke chapter 19. It's the only gospel that tells this story. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, it's a key plot point, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Funnily enough, another version says that he scurried down. I really like that. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Amen. What a great story. Well, if if like me, you went to Sunday school as a kid, you'd remember this song, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Remember that? That song would not fly in today's PC world. Do you understand me? We don't sing about wee little people. We don't sing about little people at all. Let's get that straight. We talk about vertically challenged, perhaps. But we don't talk about little people. It's funny, isn't it? Kids, I'll tell you what, kids can be cruel, can't they? But I reckon that plot point about his, the fact that he's vertically challenged, it tells you a little bit about the guy, and I think it's in there for a reason. When you grow up with some kind of physical attribute that's not like everybody else, you know, kids can really pick that out real quick, can't they? They've got a way at finding the weak spot and just mining that thing and just getting under your skin. And it's pretty easy to start forming an opinion about yourself 
out of what other people start saying about you. You know, and it starts when you're a kid. You know, you're too short, you're too fat, you're too thin, you've got big feet, you've got, you know, the second toe that's too long. I, I discovered when I was in about year six or year seven that I've got small ears. You're going to start looking at my ears now. And people looked at my ears and they said, oh, you've got small ears. They're like little dried apricots. <laughs> and so from then on, I was apricot ears. <laughs> Fortunately, I didn't let that hold me down, but I moved on. I found redemption. But, I mean, that makes light. That's just a little thing. But there are things that people say when you're little and they, you know, like I said, kids don't understand so they can say the most cruel things. And it can get you down. It can dig you deep. and can get right into the core of your heart. And you can either respond in one of two ways. This is how I see it. You either start believing what people say about you. And Aussies are so great at this, aren't we? I mean, we call people names. We come up with nicknames for people. And sometimes they're not the nicest names, are they? Sometimes they're kind of a little bit disparaging. But, you know, sometimes those things get deep. And they, you start to identify with them. And it starts to become your identity. You start believing that stuff. And because you start believing that stuff, it sends you through a series of decision-making that is negative for your life. Because of that negativity that's been spoken over you. Because of those words that have been spoken over you. So you can either believe that stuff and it can lead you down a path of depression. Or the other thing that I've noticed can happen is that you kind of overcompensate. You try and overcompensate to ignore what they've said. And it kind of you think that you're just living your normal life, don't you? But everyone else around you goes, like they're overcompensating. You know, like the little guy who drives around in a monster truck. You know, or the girl who's just always picking on other girls. Always finding a way to bring other people down. I think Zacchaeus was one of those people. He was in the first category. That he started believing the stories about him growing up, being a small kid. And I think that had an effect on his life. So he thought... As he graduated from Jericho Senior High School, he thought to himself, well, people already hate me. Why don't I just, I, I, he saw the ad in the paper that said T-Boy needed for tax department. And he thought, great. I mean, I'm already an outcast. I might as well get some money out of it. So for, for those who are, need to understand a little bit of historical context about the tax world. And, you know, um, being a, a public servant, in today's world, it's not such a bad thing, right? We've got public servants in the house today. Shut up! <laughs> so, um, if, you're, if you work for the ta ATO today, for example, people might be, oh, well, ATO. But in those days, if you worked for the tax department, it was a, it was a really horrible thing. So, to give you some idea, what happened was the Romans were occupying Palestine at the time. And they would employ local Jews to go and collect the tax. And the way it worked was this. The Jews would go and collect the tax. If they wanted any coin for themselves, if they wanted to earn anything for their efforts, they had to get a little bit of extra on the top. They had to take a percentage point or two to actually earn some crust. So you can imagine 
the hatred that would emerge from their local Jews. Because not only were you aiding and abetting the occupying force, but you were betraying your own people by taking from them. You can see how, how it would have worked for Zacchaeus. He was hated by the people, and I reckon it probably led to a point of him actually hating himself a little bit too. I think he understood that he was a sinner. He understood that he was doing wrong. You know, we, we all intuitively know when we're doing wrong, don't we? We don't need people to tell us. We get it. We don't always want to admit it to other people, but we get it when we're doing wrong. And I think that maybe Zacchaeus knew that he was doing wrong. He, he knew it was betraying people. He knew it was taking from people, but maybe he was stuck in the cycle of it. Anyone can relate to being stuck in a cycle. You know, I reckon he would have had pressure from above, from his Roman uh, leaders or whatever, telling him, you've got to meet this quota, we've got to get more tax. So he's feeling pressure from above. He's probably feeling pressure from home because his wife wanted to go into that holiday, or wanted that holiday house on the Sea of Galilee. And he had repayments on his jet ski. He had all those sort of pressures coming from him, left, right and center. And he knew that things went right, but he just couldn't find a way to escape out of it. You know that feeling of, of being stuck and, and hating where you are, hating what's going on around you, hating the situation that you're in, but not really knowing how to get out. And I think when you get to that point, it creates this certain desperation. It leads to a certain desperation where you stop caring anymore about everything else. You said, I would do anything if I could, if I could just get free of this. I would do anything if I could just get free. And I think you and me, for us to change, we've got to get to that point of desperation. We've actually got to get to the point where we're ready to say, I'm ready to change. I'm ready to change. You know, we're all, we've all got struggles in our life, but what things that we get addicted to, we can get addicted to a whole bunch of things in this world that are completely legal, but we know are not good for us. You know, we, we can get addicted to innocuous things like social media. We can get addicted to innocu- innocuous things like chocolate, for example. Um, we can get addicted to shopping. We can get addicted to gossip, pornography, lying. The list goes on. There's always something that we can get caught up in and we get stuck in it. We can't find a way to get out. This is the thing. When you are ready, when you are ready, and you've got to that point where you said, I don't care anymore about anybody else. I don't care what people say about me. I just want to get free. I'm willing to do anything to get free. When you get to that point, Jesus will be walking by. He's got an uncanny knack of being at the right place at the right time. And when you are ready, he will be walking by. This story says that Jesus was walking through Jericho. He didn't necessarily have Jericho on his mind. He wasn't going to Jericho. He was actually wanting to walk through Jericho. He didn't have an agenda to be in Jericho, but he had his, we talked about this last week. He had his eyes open. He was looking for an opportunity. He was in the moment. 
He was wondering what God would do on his way through Jericho. On his way through Jericho. And he must have looked up and he saw this little man, this little man in the tree. Talking about desperation. Like it's okay to see kids up a tree, isn't it? If you see a kid climbing a tree, oh yeah, that's cool, that kid's climbing a tree. If you were to go on your Sunday afternoon walk with your family today, and you look up, and there's a man, a grown man, crouching in a tree. Weirdo alert. Like, it's pretty freaky, isn't it? I think that just describes to me the desperation that Zacchaeus had got to. He was desperate. He was willing to do anything. And here comes Jesus walking through the town. Here comes Jesus walking through the town. And I think at that moment, there was this incredible intersection of destiny. And it's almost like time stands still. You know, in the movies, time stands still. You hear the, and you can hear Zacchaeus' heart. And he's thinking to himself, I wonder if he's going to look at me. And I think he's thinking to himself, as hope begins to rise in his heart, maybe there's something for me here with this guy. Maybe there's a way for me to get out of my situation. Maybe, just maybe. And Jesus is looking up. And he looks up and and to start with, he sees a small man in a tree. But then the Holy Spirit begins to speak to him. The Holy Spirit begins to bring it alive to him. And he begins to understand that this is not just a person. This is one of God's children. This is somebody not with sins. This is somebody that God is calling out a certain destiny. And he calls out his name, Zacchaeus. You know what? I want to change tack for one little second and talk about another rich man that Jesus meets and talks to in the Gospels. And this is a guy who supposedly had it all together. His his journey growing up was way different to Zacchaeus. You know, he was straight A's all the way through, breezy. He was good looking. He was on the footy team. He was probably full forward, kick a bag of goals every weekend. You know, he got to a certain age, he got his first car, and mum and dad said, we'll we'll buy you a Range Rover because that's safer, right? He got looked after every single step of the way. And when he wanted to go and talk to Jesus, he just knew it was going to be easy. It was going to be easy. He knew how to smooze his way. Schmooze? Schmooze his way past the red velvet, you know, the red velvet rope where the cool people are in that side. He knew how to talk his way in. And it says that he came to Jesus and he bended the knee. But not in the kind of like the weepy mess, not running down your face, like the cool, like the American footballers do it. You know, it's really noble. Take the knee, Jesus, talk to me. Tell me what I can do. And you could see the attitude so different. This, this rich man came to Jesus. He wanted to be justified because he thought he had it all together. And Jesus saw through fake. You've got to understand today that Jesus has a great radar for fake. Oh, my goodness. Just like you guys probably do too. You see fake a mile away. Jesus sees fake a mile away. So there's no point trying. Don't try and, be, and approach Jesus as if you've got it all together. He doesn't care about that stuff. He sees through it all. He sees through it all. He wants real. He doesn't want fake. 
Both were rich men. One had it all together. One was a hot mess up a tree. And who was Jesus drawn to? He was drawn to the hot mess up the tree. He wasn't interested in the guy who had it all together. He was interested in this guy, Zacchaeus. He didn't call out Zacchaeus' sins, did he? He called out his name. He called out his destiny. He understood that God had a plan for this guy's life. And it was different to the the trajectory that he'd been on so far. You know, Jesus doesn't want to pick out your sins. He's not going to stand there and point the finger at you. He wants to call out who you are. He wants to call out who you are. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got a destiny for your life. And when you understand who you are, when you understand whose you are, the sin stuff takes care of itself. The sin falls away. Who cares about that stuff anymore? I've got something way better to get involved in. Get this. You know the meaning of the name Zacchaeus? The meaning of the name in Hebrew, it means pure. It means innocent. Pure and innocent. Here's this guy up a tree doing all the wrong things. And Jesus calls out to him, you're pure. You're innocent. How great is that? God in his great love, God the Father in his great love, he knew he had a destiny, he had a plan for Zacchaeus. And before he was born, he called out a future, a plan, a destiny that was different to the one that the the world wanted to dictate to him. The world wanted to say, you're a robber, you're a thief. You're just going to be on the take. God said, you're pure, you're innocent. God said to Jeremiah, behold, I have plans for your life. Plans to give you a future and a hope. You know, you may have named yourself failure. You may have named yourself weak. You may have named yourself inadequate, unqualified. You may have named yourself loser. You may have named yourself too big, too small, too poor. You may have named yourself according to what the world says about you. But God calls out to you and he says, you're pure. You're innocent. You are mine. Now this is amazing to me because Jesus loved you so much. Before we knew him, Christ died for us. Before we had any understanding of God, he was already thinking about you and he wanted you to be joined to him. He wanted you to walk with him. He made a way for you. He made a way for you through the cross to walk with him in newness of life. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're feeling bound up. Maybe you're feeling like you're on the wheel. Disappointment, hurt, pain. You're stuck in a cycle that you can't seem to get out of. There's an opportunity to walk into life today. 
there is an opportunity. If you're ready, He's ready. If you're ready, guess what? He'll be walking past your tree anytime, any moment now. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. And you know what you should be doing. And you know deep down what you are doing. And that's almost worse. Because you can't admit to anybody about what you're struggling with. I want to tell you that God doesn't care. He has a plan and He has a purpose for your life. And He wants you to walk with Him into life. Walk with Him into life today. Jesus could be walking past your tree today. He could be walking past your tree. You know, and it's not like it's all over in one second. Zacchaeus still had work to do, didn't he? He said that he was going to give away half of his money and he was going to repay people four times what he took. There was going to be some hard journeying ahead for Zacchaeus. And I want to tell you, the first step is saying, yep, Lord, I'm ready. Well, where I'm, I believe I need something. I need someone to help me out of this. Jesus is that person. You guys ever seen a show called Fixer Upper? There's probably a thousand of them out there. But, you know, when someone's got this house and it's all kind of down and down in the dumps and it's all broken down and these guys come in and they go, right, well, we're going to pull this kitchen out and we're going to rearrange this and give it a lick of paint, new windows here, and it's going to look amazing. At some point, they say in the show, do you trust me? At some point, they say, this is going to get a bit hard, hey? And usually somewhere along the, you know, at the beginning, they're all like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. It's going to be amazing. And then halfway through, it starts to hurt. Oh, I didn't want the kitchen to go there, you know. Oh, I thought of a different color. Pur- dark purple would have been nicer here. And it's the same for us, for our lives. We have to be willing to go through a little bit of hard stuff. But Jesus is saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me to work it out? I've got the boys down the road in their trucks. They're ready to go. We're just waiting for you to say yes. And then we'll get to work. And I promise you, it's going to be way better than when you started. Way better. 